the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Talking Catholic. I'm your host here, Carrie Janice, and I'm once again with my good friend, Mike Walsh. We are together. We're in, together in person as well. This is so nice. Although we're not, we're not in your usual lounge, and we're not in the room adjacent to your lounge. We're in a hall, I think? Yes, Marion we are hall? in Marion Hall, okay. Our Ladies Hall, That's underneath right. our church. A, a, a perfect example of a good church basement turned hall. I'm very, very happy about it. The, actually, uh, it was just redone, so it's kind of fresh looking, uh, kind of well, nice. Actually, I was noticing your bathrooms over there. I like that they have the sort of like, like the hideaway wall over there <laughs> by them. It's the one thing you notice in a, in a hall in the bathrooms. <laughs> Listen, any person who does as much logistics as I do, the bathrooms okay. are okay. very important. It's, Makes you, sense. You always want to make sure they're nearby. Actually, you know, I, I felt like I had a carry day today. I, mm. You are my this is now my sixth we're recording at 8 30 at night actually hold on no we're not we're recording at eight almost nine o'clock at night because uh i happened on the move all day i started with i moderated it's catholic schools week so oh I mo- yes that's yeah. right so i moderated a a spelling bee at, at my son's school for the eighth grade class Wait, um, like when you say moderate like are you the judge like if they get it wrong you're like eh, wrong well, spelling i'm or? the host and then it was it was through our nights at columbus so oh, i was the fun. host and then we have three judges uh who who each yes tell the kid that eh, you got it wrong that is fun but it was it was adorable we did it my son's in seventh grade there but we but it was our annual eighth grade spelling bee okay so which we love having with them and they were a blast and uh i have to say they did they did really well they, the winning word was ligament ligament Ooh. yes um, L-I-G. <laughs> come, come on. I'm, I'm a horrible speller. I'm not going to lie. I, I, <laughs> yeah. That was actually one of the... That I'm going to say... No, I'm going to get it wrong. I'm gonna so get it wrong. what? Who cares? Uh, Nobody's listening. Go ahead. It's, it's People are listening. <laughs> and then they're going to know I'm not a good speller. I'm just going to humbly say pass. Okay. Well, it's L-I-G-A-M-E-N-T. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say, actually. I was well, just got nervous. Well, I, like I kinda, the kids in the spelling bee. Well, here's the thing. So I, I kind of felt bad for the kids because... Okay, so we went. I think we ended up going seven rounds all together, and you know we lose mm-hmm. a couple each, yeah, each round. Yeah. And the last round was it the whole eighth grade class. It was the entire eighth okay. grade class, and um, the the oh god, the winner's name. I'm not gonna. Her name, first name was Ida. Now I can't remember her last name, but it was Ida. It was Ida. Mike, Idaho. No, it wasn't Idaho. <laughs> it was Ida was in first place, Michael was in second place, and Grace was in third place. Um, but anyway, so but I felt bad because the. In my mind, uh, the ones third and second got were much harder than ligaments. Oh, you always like, feel Man. bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, but but that's the luck of the draw. I mean, Wait. like I look at them, and I mean, the first word was Zephyr. Can you spell Zephyr? Z e p h e r. Y r. Why? No, no, no. Er, er, er. Whatever it is. <laughs> Wait, I have a funny Catholic Schools Week spelling bee story okay. real quick. Um. My sister was in like the finals. They did it in like fifth or fourth grade yeah. in our school growing up. It was again one of the highlights of Catholic Schools Week, and she was. It was her and another girl. She still talks about to this to this day. She still tells this story, and she's in her mid thirties. And it was her and this other girl, and 
my sister got the one word, I don't know what it was, alligator or something. She got it wrong. Yeah. The other girl had to go and it's like, you have to get it right and then you win. And the word was something like, I can't remember the word, if it was say it's with schools or whatever it was. Whatever the word was, it was in the Catholic Schools Week banner, which held, which was hanging oh, up on the far side goodness. of the auditorium. <laughs> so my sister tells the story. You see the girl literally <laughs> reading the word off the banner and, and she's angry to this day about it. So it's just... So funny that how that is, played out. That is mean. I um, we get a, we get a list of like eight pages worth of wow. words. It's an enormous list because you never know how long it's going to go. Mm-hmm. I think we made it. I don't even think we made it through maybe a page and a half tops. Um, but the um, there was only. I have to admit, in the middle of as we were going through it. Uh, I did skip one word just because I didn't feel like seeing all the, the kids laughing about it. I skipped the word hemorrhoid. That was, that was smart. <laughs> that think, was wise. I think I made the right call on that one. But it was um, usually we do it. Usually we do it in, per, in person. And this year we had to do it via Zoom, uh, oh, which thankfully, well, yeah. first of all, I, I <clears throat> you know, of course, I was brokenhearted. We had to do it via Zoom because I love being there with the kids because they can joke around with them. Yeah. And I take selfies with them. And yeah. We have a lot of fun. Um so we had to do it by Zoom, but it ended up working perfectly because now we're all Zoom experts. So mm-hmm, it was actually mm-hmm. it was actually really well done. The only downside was is they were like, "Yeah, can you do it at uh, nine a.m. in the morning, Mike?" And as you know, I'm not a morning person. Yeah. So I said, "I will." <laughs> will I be happy about it? No. So it was that, and then I had after that I had four more Zoom <clears throat> meetings, oh, and so then yeah, we had Holy Hour tonight. You and I were both at separate Holy Hours. Right. We, I was at the Diocesan Holy Hour for Vocations up in Stratford, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you and I were talking earlier this week, and we were like, "Oh, we'll do a podcast." And you're like, "Can you do eight thirty at night?" And I'm like, "Well, I'll make it work." So yeah, here we are, are at nine o'clock at night recording uh, our works. podcast. But that's what I'm saying. I, I had a carry day because aren't you usually up at like six thirty in the morning doing live streams at mass? <laughs> well, on Wednesdays, yes. Oh, okay. On Wednesdays. The other days, I, like today I slept in because there was mass tonight here at our parish, mm. first Thursday. So that was kind of nice. So yeah, you kind of had a day like me. Just things stacked to stack, stacked back to back. Um, so yeah, I get that. But. Well, that's why I'm here because I knew I couldn't complain about my day because I'm there like, this is carries every day. So I, 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 if she I like wants to, to do be it, busy. Yeah, well, I like to be busy too, but I will admit that I'm. I'm <laughs> I do don't like know how your, this is going to go. Netflix, though. I do. I you know I I one of the priests in the diocese convinced me to start watching The Crown, uh, which I, I'm not a big fan of dramas, but I like historical things mm-hmm. and there's a lot of interesting historical elements in it so I'm basically forcing myself to ignore all of the classic drama stuff that's in it but watching it for like the history I, I will actually pause it as we're going through look it up on Wikipedia or some history thing to find out what the real background is and then I go back and watch mm, the, nice, the rest nice. of the crown but yeah I've been staying up to like uh, 1 a.m. doing that yeah. so I'll go after we're done here I'm going to go home edit this and then go watch the watch crown for an hour <laughs> exactly. it's a good you know what I'm not a big TV person. I have my different my ways to wind down or social media. Yeah. But for someone like you, you know, that does enjoy just well, watching something like that, that's a good way to wind down after a long day. So you it deserve is. it. It is. It's I've um, I don't watch a lot of TV anymore. I you know when there's not sports on, I I don't watch a ton. But mm-hmm. um, I have to say that I, you know from like ten to eleven or ten to midnight or so, I have been getting in the habit of trying to just watch a little bit of TV just to kind of like unwind a little yeah. bit. And I have to admit, I'm, I've been having a good night's sleep doing that, so it's good. good. Did you have a good day? Today? Yeah, I had a great day. Yeah, it was really good. What was your holy hour for tonight? Um, every Thursday we have Holy Hour. Actually, we have Holy Three Hours from seven to ten uh-huh. here at the parish with our Batania Ten Prayer Group, and we do the rosary. 
the Botanic Temper Group. Mm-hmm. It's Maria Speranza's, uh, of course. one of the 10, uh, group, one, one of the, excuse me, one of the 12 groups that were established around the world. Right. Tanya 10 is in Williamstown, New Jersey. So I forgot. About we that. had our prayer group every Thursday, and it's open to the whole parish. And mm-hmm. it's been nice actually having holy hours for three hours straight every Thursday consistently. You know, people know about it, and it's brought some more people into our prayer group, which has been nice. And That's we wonderful. did the rosary, the Divine Mercy Chaplet, Psalm 91, a lot of prayers during that time. Mm-hmm. And then just t- silence for the rest until 10 p.m. So I will admit that I had to text you to let you know that I wasn't sure if I was going to make it here on time. And then you texted back, and I was like, oh, she's in church. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sorry about that. I was that. like, from my watch, trying to do it. <laughs> Sorry about it's that. Okay. So anyway, we we decided to have a, actually it was your idea. We decided to to have sort of a special guest on tonight because yeah, um, it it's you know for the last year we're almost at the one year anniversary of mm-hmm. when sort of life's kind of shut down due to COVID, mm-hmm. um, and here we are now where things you know paint at a glacial speed seem to be kind of reopening, but you know at the same time you know you have to fight that urge to kind of like let things get open too early. So we kind of wanted to have a conversation about COVID a little bit. I, I now have had two people in my life that I'm very close to um, who have been hit hard by, by COVID. One's 28, and she mm-hmm. was like uh, really uh, – she may actually – we may talk about it on a future podcast with her, as a matter of fact. Um, she had a very unique situation. But you you were affected. You, you and your parish were affected by COVID uh, earlier this year, right? When, yeah, uh, yeah. You, well, you're, you know, I your, think your... everybody in some way has been affected, right? But as far as, like, infected, um, right. <laughs> we uh, our guest tonight is a father for today is Father Chris Bakey, who is our parochial vicar here at Our Lady Peace, which is where I work full time. And... Uh, he he did have COVID. He was hospitalized, and he recently has come back to our parish after several weeks being out. And uh, there's a whole story behind that story, so we're going to hear all about it in, in his diagnosis and all and, and kind of the journey he went through with that. I say this, though, because he recently come back and is now openly sharing about that whole journey from um, difficult moments leading up to COVID and then getting struck and infected with COVID itself. And then his journey through that, and now his kind of coming back and sharing all about how Our Lady was with him and throughout that whole journey and, and how he had a lot of faith and it got him through it. So um, I'd like to welcome Father Chris Bakey to the podcast. Uh, thanks. It's great to be here. Thank you. I have to say also, I love the uh, ligament spelling thing. <laughs> <laughs> I would have went for that word instead yes. of the second one. Yeah, <laughs> right. Zephyr. I would have wow. got that I should have went to the ligament. <laughs> but it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to share life stories and i always believe that when we share life stories we share christ and that's it and as we're sharing christ it it really affects i was really affected by COVID this year i was uh, well that's starting in september i had to have right hip replacement surgery so i had that and then that was 9 21 and on 10 21 my dad passed Mm. and i buried him on the 27th of october and I was diagnosed with COVID. Somebody told me a couple of days after that that they were diagnosed as positive. I got tested. I ended up being positive. And the whole first week, I sat it out in the rectory and uh, I quarantined. I isolated myself. And, you know, but I noticed that my pulse ox was going down. How do I know about pulse ox? Because <laughs> I have a sister who's a nurse anesthetist. That helps. And she said, go and get the pulse ox. And I did. So, 
It was 98, 99 to begin. Everything was fine, but I was coughing a lot. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the week, I noticed it started to drop. And then it got to 91, and then I called a nurse in the parish to check my lungs. And uh, the look on her face when she checked my lungs told me a big story. Yeah. Well, like a stethoscope, right? Like she <clears throat> yeah, checked she's a, yeah, she had her stethoscope to check wow. my lungs. But when she went to the bottom parts of both lungs, she said, I can't hear anything. Oh, wow. And so that's... That's a problem. We yeah. gotta go to the hospital. So I didn't know this, but hospitals are in code red now, so nobody can go in with you. Um, the only mm. ones allowed in are fathers that are whose wives are giving birth. Yeah. So code red is the way they're operating. So she just dropped me off, and mm. but she works there. She's an emergency room nurse, and I just want to say she was a godsend to me. Wow. Uh, both before, during, and after. And I'll talk more about her. But she's a woman who came into our church through RCIA about four years previously. Wow. And she's been a a great person. I remember being in the hospital doing ministry. And she'd be reaching out to people that she would just go see. So this woman was a blessing to me. I ended up uh, performing the marriage of her and her spouse oh. after Christmas. So, oh. you know, so I knew that was happening too. Mm. So I also met her spouse to be, and uh, he's an EMT, mm-hmm. and his mother's an EMT. And why am I saying this? Is because after I got out of the hospital, I really didn't know what to do because I know people would be squeamish about who yeah. oh, I had COVID, and but this nurse. And he both had it and the mother, so they felt very comfortable and they told me to come live with them. Oh, so wow. I lived with them when they both went to work. Uh, the other mother, the mother-in-law came and she sat with me. Oh, wow. So because COVID really affects you more than physically, yeah. big time. Really? And uh, at the beginning of the week when I was in there, I, you know, the first roommate I had, we have roommates in this hospital, Kennedy, yeah. Washington. <laughs> first roommate I had, he was like turning on the TV and watching CNN. He'd watch it for like two hours. Yeah. He'd shut off the TV and then he'd get on the phone trying to convince six people why to get Trump out of the office. <laughs> and it was loud and it was constant. Yeah. Then he would take a nap. And he would turn it on for two more hours and do the same thing no, again. No. It was making me sicker. Yeah. It really was. Because what's CNN talking about at the time? But people dying from yeah. COVID and all that stuff. And well, I, I mean, and they say that, you know, it's hard. There's a psychological element to being, oh, yes. being ill. You know, I mean, it, being, being in poor spirits yeah. really does negatively affect you. So I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the next day, he was still doing it. So. It was really, I felt like a darkness. That's the spiritual component. Like there was a real element of oppressiveness. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I call it spiritual darkness because it was something I haven't felt in a long time. Wow. But it had to do with the, the fact that you're put in the basement as your first stop. And then if you're failing there, they move you up to an intermediate care unit. <laughs> and then after that, you're in critical care. So um, they moved me out of that room not because of the roommate, mm. but because my pulse ox, they weren't able to control on the, that level of oxygen on the basement floor anymore. So they put me in their care uh, room. And in that room, I had a, a roommate as well, but we weren't as uh, close together. And we have a curtain down between the center of us, so I barely got to see him. But I really, truly got to hear him mm. speaking to his wife 
and this is the he was 91 years old yeah. and they were married 62 years he took her to the hospital because she fell and bumped her head and what happened was they COVID tested them they both tested positive so and they had no idea so she got fixed up she went home and he had to stay and i was his roommate for like six days mm -hmm. and you know at 91 years old to remember to breathe in through your nose because you have oxygen coming in out through your mouth then they give you the spirometer where you have to suck it in to let that ball come up so oh, sure. far mm -hmm. and let it drop and they gave him another thing i have no idea what it is but he had a blow into that thing and it made like a fluttering noise like this on his chest i have no idea what that was because i I never saw it. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying, I would even get confused. <laughs> Suck this one in, blow this one yeah, out. Yeah. You know, it was really tough. So he's 91, and you could tell that there's a psychosis that happens when you're in the hospital for a long time, okay. especially if you're not familiar with uh, what day it is or whether it's day or night. So he was getting that, plus he was uh, a little demented, uh, just a little bit. Yeah. But the psychosis kicked in. And he needed help remembering, or he needed his nurse to help him dial his phone because he would call on his cell phone to his home and he would either call the house phone or her cell phone. And then half the battle was, what phone did you pick up? Because I'm calling this one and don't yeah. call. You know, he was very confused with the phones and she was too. And he was hard of hearing and I am too, yeah. but I heard her the whole time, oh. and he was saying, I can't hear you, and uh, she's saying, I can hear you, and I'm saying, I can hear you too. You know? <laughs> so, but the thing was, uh, what was so good about that is for the days that I was with him, I got to hear true love Yeah. on that phone call. Yeah. You know, like, he said, I, I didn't want to call you during Wheel of Fortune, and she said, <laughs> She said that is true love. She said she said how she said I'd rather talk to you anytime. Oh, you know. Yeah. So I got to experience that for the next four or five days, and that was really beautiful. Yeah. And I was getting worse at the time, so to speak was really tough. But when he was beeping because his pulse ox was dropping, and you know, I had to remind him as best I could, breathe through your nose, mm. in through your nose, mm. and blow out the birthday candles. You know, <laughs> smell the roses, blow out the birthday candles. <laughs> and uh, I kept doing that with him. And uh, so he was he was doing okay, but towards the end, he wasn't doing well. Mm. So they moved him out. And he, when you're moved out, I know what that meant, you yeah. know. So he went to critical care, and I didn't see him anymore. But as they were coming in to move him out, I didn't have oils with me. I didn't have any of the prayer books with me. But I, I've done so many last rites that I just did it from memory. And I didn't have any oils, but I know God understands, mm -hmm. and I trust it, too. And uh, so I said, it was Harry. I said, Harry, I, I just want you to know I just gave you last rites because he was Catholic. Oh. Did and he know I, you were a Catholic priest yes. next to him? Yeah, oh, he did. And he yeah. was really... He, he told everybody that on the phone and like because then he would tell he's, he's like, so proud. I got the priest next to me <laughs> like, and here it was the wrong parish I thought oh, it was well. our parish you know but oh, he was trying parish. to yeah but he he was excited about that he must have told his daughters a couple times and, but to hear their exchange and you know and just losing my parents that was really spiritually uplifting and it was good. really a pleasure to help 
but I couldn't go over there because I was tethered to my own stuff. Yeah. So just to do it all through curtain and us being hard here, what'd you say, huh? <laughs> and both machines are beeping because our pulse oxes are dropping below. Uh, they had mine set at 84. So pulse oxes are below and it just beeps. So I told him, every time you hear the beep, it's probably me, you know, but it could be you. And so he paid attention. Well, that's good. <clears throat> but things got worse for me. I started deteriorating even more. I was on a five-day treatment of remdesivir, they call it. Mm -hmm. And it's an hour a drip uh, intravenously. And they also give you a shot of a steroid, a very strong steroid, through it. The first time they did that to me, I had an issue because I also have a panic disorder mm -hmm. that I quit seminary two weeks, I mean, four weeks before it would be ordination. Really? Because I found out I had it. I didn't know I had it. Yeah. So I got diagnosed. I have stage fright caused by panic disorder. So obviously a priest is exactly yeah. the same. Yeah, so you can't go really go <laughs> on the priesthood. That's in, right? in so, but wow. at the time, Bishop McHugh was great, and he, uh, he allowed me he said, whenever you're better, I didn't even have the thought of getting better because it was so painful. Yeah. And I couldn't even understand it. So to make a long story short, I felt that feeling for the first time when they put that steroid in me because it was such a strong steroid. Wow. Really? Would you just and, get um, nervous or panicked? Is that no, it's like a, it's a panic and it's, I couldn't breathe. Like triggered it. Yeah. Big time. Okay. And, uh, so I called the doctor, they got the doctor in and I said, I, I can't tell you where I've been with panic disorder, but I can't do this again. Wow, really? So they broke my steroid down into two doses, mm. you know? So, so everything's a balance. That's what I learned about COVID. You gotta balance your steroid intake, then you gotta balance it being weaned from you, then you gotta balance uh, remdesivir and stopping that suddenly after five days. It was at that time where I was my sickest. Really? And so the five days didn't work, and I was not able, I barely could talk at that point. And my pulse ox was 79 with full oxygen wow. where I was. And so I was like. And, and just, to, just to kind of talk a little bit. So when you talk about the issues with your lungs, was that like you had COVID plus pneumonia or this was just. I like had what they called um, double COVID pneumonia and bacterial pneumonia. Oh, so I went in the hospital with a fever, Yeah, and they gave me two antibiotic drips mm -hmm. immediately. I never had a fever the next day onward, so I guess I took care of the bacterial part. Yeah, But it's the viral part that they can't treat anything with it, but they know COVID makes your lungs swell on the inside. Mm -hmm. So my lungs, uh, two-day uh, shot of my lungs, it was like just on the bottom of my right lung, my left lung was totally filled with COVID. So two days later, the whole lung was filled with COVID. Wow. And they said hardly any airspace. Wow. And that was on 1120. Mm. And I know that because 1121 is my anniversary, <laughs> you know, the day before my anniversary. And I remember uh, saying to God, and I always said this to the Blessed Mother too, I was born on the feast day of the visitation, yeah. and I was mm -hmm. ordained on the presentation of the Blessed Mother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I said, I am so sure I'm going to go home <laughs> on a Marian feast day. <laughs> but I said, I didn't expect it to be my, my anniversary, though, you know? <laughs> so that was kind of a bummer, you know? Yeah. So spiritually, I was being, uh, it was really heavy. It was very heavy. Mm. They encourage you to lay on your stomach uh, when you have COVID. Mm -hmm. So, I was on my stomach, and this same nurse who 
came and checked my lungs out. She happened to come in, and I, I'll be honest, I was crying because there's nothing they could do. That's what they told me. We've done everything we could. Yeah. And that's what I went to bed with that night. And I can't tell you how bad that was. It yeah. was depression. It was, mm. you know, I just buried my dad, and he was my biggest fan, you know. So, um, you know, it was, it was tough. And I was really feeling everything. And all except my hip. My hip's doing great, everybody. <laughs> if you want a good doctor for hip, call me up. You know, he's, he's tremendous. I never had any problems with that. So, but anyway, um, it was really heavy. And it's, it's an emotional thing. Yeah. And, like, I was looking death in the eyes. And I was getting worse. That was the worst part. Yeah. So the next day, I called my sister. She's in Texas, the nurse anesthetist. Mm -hmm. And I made her my durable power of attorney at that point because I couldn't talk. I couldn't breathe and talk. I had to choose between breathing, eating, or talking. Wow. So I chose breathing, you know? Good choice. And I <laughs> So I told my sister she had to do everything for me. And so I gave her permission to access my records, but I also gave the nurse in the hospital who's helped me all along mm -hmm. to read the charts to her. And she took time to read the entire chart to her, wow. which my Sweet. sister says is really unheard of and she couldn't believe how great that was wow. that helped her assess yeah. my condition so she talked the doctor into giving me another round of uh, my sister did another round of the remdesivir or mm. i can't even say it it's that remdesivir one. yeah, yeah, yeah. Red, remdesivir I, no, I can't even say it that's covid fog everybody that's what that looks like so anyway um i was laying in bed that night though on the 20th and i remember I remember just crying, you know? Mm. But then when, her name's Becky, this nurse, so I won't give her last name because I don't know what's good or not good on podcasts or whatever. <laughs> but her name is Becky and she came in and it was right at the moment of total despair. And she came in. Was, was she on your floor or did she would just she come was, visit no, you? She was, no, she would come visit me. Oh, nice. But she was in the hospital and that was key. Mm -hmm. That's why I went to the hospital. To that one. Because I knew nurses from here. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the advantages of being in a place for a little while. Yeah. You get to know yeah. people. So she came up and she just started um, karate chopping my back because I was face down. I didn't mm -hmm. see her come in. And she saw that I was crying, so she was just trying to console me and stuff like that. And then she With karate um, chops, or was that for the yeah, breathing? Yeah, break up the um, break up the lungs for your breathing. Yeah, when people have cystic fibrosis okay. involved, they used to do the karate chops on them. Yeah, so that's what she was doing on me because gotcha. she knew I was having a problem breathing. Wow. Yeah. So She's after good. that, yeah, she was great. Uh, she cleaned me up. I felt like a million bucks after that. But the most important thing she did was. She showed me a picture that her husband-to-be's father, mm -hmm. he sent a request of prayer for me to get better to Our Lady of Lords in France. Wow. And on the picture was a copy of the prayer request and uh, for total healing for Father Chris Bakey of COVID-19. Mm. You know, so I got to see the picture. And I had just been at the Lords maybe within the past three years, I oh, guess. Oh, yeah, it was not too long so, ago, yeah. But Lords is 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 amazing. Yeah, you know I've been to a lot of pilgrimages and a lot of different sites, but Lords was really special to me. Yeah, it really was because I guess I watched a song of Bernadette when I was younger, <laughs> and they showed it on the bus as we were heading there, and you know the room on the TV 
it is so much bigger than the room they lived in. It really? was unbelievable how small yeah. that room was. But, you know, having seen all that and and getting an opportunity to sit at the grotto, I always do one full night mm-hmm. only because, you know, it's peaceful. And one of the things in the Song of Bernadette is you get to see the, or you get to hear the leaves like blowing in the wind. Mm-hmm. Well, I heard the noise when I was sitting there, of course, because yeah. the winds are coming. There's this beautiful stream behind us, and it, it was the stream that Bernadette didn't cross because she had an illness when she was um, younger. And her mother told her never to go across. So her sisters did. They were looking for firewood. Yeah. So she sat on the side, you know, and she heard the rustling of the leaves, and then the Blessed Mother appeared to her. Mm-hmm. And the grotto, they have a statue of where she said she saw her, exactly where she saw her. And... Um, so things progressed with her and you know of course she's hearing things from the blessed mother and the main the main title of our blessed mother of lords is the immaculate conception yeah only because uh they were just beginning to talk about that Mm -hmm. and they couldn't believe that somebody who was not educated well because she was sick her whole young life um that somebody could even say that and that's when her bishop really began to listen to her and she said the only thing she said to me i'm the immaculate conception mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know so she had no clue what that meant mm-hmm. and he had just heard it for the first time in the bishop's talks or whatever yeah um so that was pretty amazing mm-hmm. and then um you know she grew i mean the appearances happened frequently and then Blessed Mother said to dig a hole where she was so that there's water under there and it'll come out and it'll be healing water. And um, so she did. She started digging, digging, and the mud came out. And she trusted the Blessed Mother so much. She's put it on her face thinking that would turn to water, you know. But it ended up being something that people shamed her for mm-hmm. as she was leaving that particular area and made a mockery of her whole family kind of thing. Yeah. But somebody sitting there after she left looked down because he felt his hand getting wet and sure enough, there was water coming out of the hole she dug. Yeah. And that hole's still present to be seen. It's covered up with plexiglass. But it's in a cavern, you know, by the Blessed Mother. And of course they have the baths there. Right. And uh, I went to confession right before the baths and then I went to the bath. Um, there's such a different feeling when you go into that bath. I don't know if anybody listening can can relate, but you, you go in and you come out. They don't give you a towel to dry off with, but you're like instantly dry, mm. and it's like a it's like a real soothing comfort to your skin. It really is. Yeah, I've you know? uh, two or three years ago. Uh, I know Bishop Sullivan went to Lourdes with, uh, at the time, Father Michael Romano. Still Father Michael Romano, but he went with <laughs> Father Michael Romano. Um, and a bunch of the seminarians. And, you know, I, like a good, any good <laughs> um, uh, priest from the Bronx, uh, you know, Bishop Sullivan's pretty... You know, pretty hard guy, and uh, but you know he he talked and he he's been to Lourdes many times, and and the times when he gets he gets 
softest, I guess might be the way to put it, is when he talks about his experience at Lourdes and what it meant to to see the malls, the the, the, mm-hmm. the the people who were sick, and take part in you know being a spiritual comfort to them, which is something the seminarians were doing while they were there. They were yeah. actually uh, helping uh, move the the ill into the the grotto, oh, yeah, into yeah, the yeah. baths. The um, yeah. You know, I I. You know, as famously, famously, in air quotes, on this podcast, everyone knows I've traveled nowhere. Uh, carries, <laughs> carries, you know, traveled rings around me by comparison. <laughs> um, so I have never made it to anywhere. Actually, I've made it to the outskirts of France, but I've never made it to Lourdes. Um, but that, that's one of those things where everyone that I talk to who have been to Lourdes have been blown away by what they saw, what they felt, and how amazing it was. So I, I'm, I'm not shocked in the least to hear how meaningful it was to you. It was so meaningful, but that meaning came back to me in a split second when I needed it the most. Yeah. Wow. It was when that, that she, as soon as she showed me the picture, because it was on the letterhead of Our Lady of Lords yeah. in France. Yeah. And so I know it he was sent. He could have sent it I anywhere. Knew, he could have right, sent, exactly. sent it to his own parish. Because I, I didn't know her husband to be. I yeah. didn't know her father. And that was uh, that was the one, you know. So wow. um, so he showed me that picture. She showed me that picture, and well, as soon as she showed me that picture, I remember a big smile came over my face, and everything I was feeling, like depression or down or whatever, it left me. Wow. What a uh, moment! It was a great moment. And then that's when Becca, she's the nurses are great, but they're so overworked, and COVID is so mm. rampant in Gloucester County right now. They have. Um, at the time when I was in there, they had a seven-hour wait in the waiting room just to be seen in the emergency room. Oh, boy. So th- that's a long time. So, yeah. you know, But COVID's very rampant and uh, then, and there were a lot of, lot of patients. So she, after a full day, not even 12 hours, she put like 14-hour days in because it was so busy. And then she came up and she tended to me like that. And I said, you know, that that's over and beyond the call of duty, you yeah. know. But she she helped me so much. And then she shaved my face. She washed my hair. I felt oh, like a, that was such a critical moment that she really wants to, uh, she's going to be a, a nurse practitioner, hopefully by May. And she's hoping that we can discuss with the executive board how important not only the physical is to be tended to, but the emotional, the spiritual. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it, was, it was dark, I yes. have to say. It you was, know. Uh, really dark. I tell you, we've um, we've been Carrie and I, in particular, have been talking about wanting to have a couple of healthcare uh, professionals who've been dealing with COVID uh, on the podcast to talk about that. Because uh, you know the, the feedback we've been getting that okay, so everyone's been really negatively affected by COVID in some way or another, either right. ripple effects or economically or the shutdown or just you know the depression of having put up with this for a year. Um, but the, quite frankly, the, the practitioners, the healthcare practitioners, you know, doctors, nurses, staff, cleaning crews, uh, EMTs, right. who have been going through all of this for so long. Um, and it's, it's, I know that there are those who think it's not that big a deal, and maybe in some parts of the country it isn't, but in parts of the country where it is, um, it's really taken its toll. And what, so we've had, we've had a nurse practitioner, um, on, 
uh, actually she's a nurse, not a nurse practitioner. Uh, the the parish nurses who are throughout the oh, diocese. Yeah, yeah. The head of one of the uh, the head of the parish nurses is a woman by the name of Nicole Kiefer, um, who is uh, who's a great person. Uh, anyone who watches our Talking Catholic YouTube shows, if you've ever seen Lex Kiefer's uh, Changing with the Tides episodes, Nicole's her mother. She's been on the podcast mm-hmm. a couple of times, and she's actually been reaching out to me a lot. We want to do something special for for all of these people who have been, you know, sort of fighting it on the front lines just to let them know that, you know, they're loved. And, and we know how terrible it's been for them, for, for so many of them that have been putting up with this. So it's uh, the fact that that nurse um, was so kind to you and, and so wonderful to you. I, it just it saved my life. Amazing. It, it makes really me, did. it really, it, I tell yeah. you, it, it makes me so happy. And, you know, I, I know we've been talking about this for a year and maybe it's gotten old for some people, but it, you know, you can't let it get old because the people who are doing this, who are making these sacrifices and this this time and, and yeah, yeah, they're getting paid for it. But, you know, trust me, as someone who's constantly working too many hours without having to put up with that level of difficulty, <laughs> mm-hmm. Gentile, I get yeah. tired. Imagine having to deal with that with people dying yep. and being sick it's all around. Like carry five times in one day. <laughs> exactly. I can't be carry any of these people. They I, are. I can't be carry once in one day. <laughs> the, uh, but it, it's incredible. true. It's, Her it's, energy level is incredible. Yeah, no, I don't know how she does it. Um, I think it's prayer, but I'm not positive. <laughs> yeah, it is. Coffee and the, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Coffee yeah, and Jesus. Right. Well, that's a good uh, pair. But, you know, so hearing you talk about that really, you know, really touches a nerve for me because I you know, I, I hope that people are are still are still thinking about it and, and realizing that there is a lot of difficulty out there, and that the people who are tending to the ill are are in many ways dealing with things that you know nobody should have ha- should have to be dealing with for a year, yeah, for one year straight, you know, and especially those in specialized hospitals mm-hmm. like Children's Hospital. Yeah. They're in the sickest, the sickest of the kids, you know, because that's such a world renowned place. Yeah, and of course they're going to have more mortality which is very low for kids you know but just one kid dying is is crazy it's it really affects you i was called there when i was at saint charles Borromeo, mayo and i was a deacon and there were two kids that need a heart and lung transplants wow. and they were there and one of them got it but five years later it didn't continue yeah the other one uh, never got it and he was only like two and the be on that side of the fence and to wait for that and all that. Mm. Talk about sad. That yeah. was sad. But the good part was is that those particular families really knew what life was about when it was done. Yeah. Not not when it was necessarily finished, but um, when they had their children, they were they were working together uh, to be with the child. And they found that to be the most amazing time in their life. Yeah. Uh, and they had other children, and it was just they stopped and they smelled the roses because they they knew how important that was. And uh, so that's what I like about that story. Yeah. You know? But the specialized nurses. I have a sister who works up in Morristown General. She's a nurse as well. She was on um, critical care and delivery, and because. Uh, they were overwhelmed. She's in Morris County. Yeah. That was the highest county first in Jersey. And she would be, they asked her to suit up in that, you know, astronaut-looking thing and to go and make the phone calls to the families yeah. and be with the families and the one dying. You That's know? tough. And it was tough. She did it for quite a while. And she got burned out. Yeah. And she's not up there anymore. 
And, you know, it's so hard. But families wanted to hog them, so she would hog them. And, wow. you know, she would, like, make them look decent before she even put them on. And, yeah. you know, that was her job. Mm-hmm. And that was tough. You know, yeah. I can imagine how tough that was, you know. It, it, it's so. it's incredible. But, you know, I mean, at the same time, you know, we, we, there are these terrible stories, and there's certainly a lot of them, but you ended up being a success story. You, you <laughs> so had, much so, I'm getting the, the nickname Lazarus. You know? <laughs> I've been thinking, and he doesn't know I know this, but I think the bishop even called it to me once. You know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was that day, that night, I really thought by the 21st I'd be dead. You know, but on the 21st, they came in and told me, and and it was my sister in Texas that got them to do it. They gave me a second round, the red desivere, another five day drip, another five day steroid. And by day three, I noticed when the doctor told me to breathe in when he was checking my lungs, it's the first time I could do it since before the nurse did it at my house a couple weeks before. So I'm like, ooh, this is getting great, you know. <laughs> and um, and sure enough, my sister also told me, breathe on that spirometer like 10 times an hour. That's mm. really a hard thing to do. Really? You know, because you're sucking in and you're trying to balance a ball between these two lines. And it's hard. It's yeah. hard on your lungs. It's hard. It hurts, you know. But she said, I don't care how painful it gets, do it, you yeah. know. So... I knew she had my records. I knew she was talking to doctors, and I never saw her face looking the way it did when she was FaceTiming me. And what broke my heart, but gave me even a stronger will to live, I have 18 nieces and nephews, you know? And she has twin boys that are 13. Mm -hmm. And she adopted those children as a single mom because she never got married and she always wanted children. So obviously, economically, she could take care of it. Mm -hmm. And... um, she went with a job down in Texas, and the boys were probably about eight then. And so for the first eight years of their life, I was like, I'm not the father figure, but I'd smack them around like I was. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But they're, they were really good. And they were um, – she was on the phone with me one time, and Noah, one of the boys, comes up and says, hey, Mom, is Uncle Chris going to die? Oh, you my. Know? It broke my heart. Wow. Mm. And um, it did, because right about then, the nurses came in and the respiratory therapist to increase my oxygen even more. Wow. Mm. And that's when they put another level with the bag and the thing. Mm. And I just put the bag. I was like, ah, thank me to God. I don't want the kids to see this. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they started to do that anyway. Um, my healing began when I saw the Blessed Mother at the Lord's, because they have her in that uh, prayer petition. And it's typed up in Lord's when you call it in. And when I saw that, I just like, yeah, I know it's gonna be fine. You wow. Know? Um, On the anniversary of your priesthood. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah the, the evening of. It could have been after midnight, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's so amazing, so, this this podcast will come out the week of Our Lady of Lord's feast yeah, day. I know. So that isn't that God's providence amazing, so, right? Mm-hmm, it comes out that's Monday. Right. It comes it, out Monday, and, and four 11, days later, yeah. it's World Day of the Sick. So yeah. it was Here very we well-timed. Yeah. So Our Lady of Lord's is uh, very powerful. For me, yeah. but I I've had other Marian apparition sites I visited, and Medjugorje was also one of them mm-hmm. in 1989 before I was a priest. You mm-hmm. know, back then I had a 14 year business career before I went in the priesthood, and so I could afford to go there. So 
I knew nothing about pilgrimages, right? <laughs> so I ordered a stretch limo to take me to the New York airport. Oh, no. And I felt really bad at when we returned because there's a guy with the sign, Mr. Bakey, come this way. And I'm trying to, like, here, their van's over here. They were in a 12-passenger van. <laughs> I was embarrassed, but I had no idea. I had yeah. no clue. But I went over there. You're in good company. I haven't been on a pilgrimage either. I've never. Yeah, never, it was. Don't know why. Let me tell you something. That was my first time out of the country. That was my first international mm. trip. Same for me, Father. When I went to Medjugorje, really? first time out of the country. Uh, how about that? Yeah, all that. And they had, had the to get my passport. All that. Yep. The, mm-hmm. uh, plane. I'm like, mm-hmm. now we see them here, but back then we didn't see them at all. Yeah. So it scared me, you know. Yeah. And uh, I have to admit, everything they served was in oil. And I remember everything, a pizza. You order a pizza, it come floating in a pan in oil. <laughs> Their ice cream is delicious, though, just a hint <laughs> if anybody's going there. But I went there before any commercialism, pretty much. Yeah. And I've had really great experiences there. And you know when I had them, and I could say the same is true of COVID, when I let go. Yeah, mm. really. Yeah. Because I was in Medjugorje for 10 days. On day eight, I felt absolutely nothing. Wow. And everybody gave me a stack of petitions, you know, like this high. Mm-hmm. I know you can't see me, but I'm like, uh, <laughs> like a foot high. A head's length, it's like, like a, a foot, foot high. <laughs> and uh, I get to the first day, and there's some guy in our group about my age, and he said, let's go up that mountain. I said, all right. Well, it took two hours up and three hours down. But while I was up there, I thought, wow, that's a beautiful place. So I found a rock. I studied it in proximity to the crucifix they have it up there. Thank God. But I pulled the rock back, and I put the petitions in the ground, and I stood on the rock and I just prayed that anything was God, that it remains. Anything not of God be removed from yeah. these people's lives. And got off the stone, took the trip down. We got back to the landlord's house. That's who we had to stay with back then. And the tour guide finally was there. And she said, well, we're going to see one of the visionaries tomorrow. So if you have any petitions, that's mm-hmm. where you give them. Oh, no. I'm like, oh, I was I was really mad the first day of Medjugorje, I have to say, to be totally honest, because I, I was doing everything wrong, you know? Yeah. I wasn't doing anything right. <laughs> and after day eight, I realized, you know, people are going to ask me about this experience, you know? Mm. I'd seen it on 2020. They were mm. putting electrodes in the kids' heads as they were... Uh, you try to understand what ecstasy was, and mm-hmm. you know they were in ex- you know, that kind of state, and I had experienced like that because I knelt down when we did see the Blessed Mother, mm-hmm. and without the full story, just suffice it to say, I did not feel a thing on my knees, but I took a woman who I considered to be much holier than me to the site, and nothing was happening. I said, "This is where it happened," you know. So I said, "Oh, we got to kneel down." As soon as we knelt down, the pain was unbearable. Mm. The road was all shards of stone, not even rounded stones. There was no place to kneel on the entire road. Yeah. And I'm like, that's what that feels like. You know? mm. So to make a long story short, I the Blessed Mother has been a big part of my journey, even to the priesthood, yeah. obviously. And... Um, you know, the date that I was born, the date I was ordained, I got to choose mm-hmm. that date. So, so, but I just, I know that she'll come. And I, I didn't, I felt like I was dying, but I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like it was complete yet, though. Yeah. But I was scared to Like death. you had more to do. Yeah. Did, uh, so, so when did you finally get out? Like how much further did you, did you uh, stay in? I did five days. On day three, I started feeling better, but you have to complete the series. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I since found out they don't give two series. So my, my sister must have given him that uh. or whatever, but they won't give two series of that. And because um, I have other friends who have it now and they try to get the second, they won't give it to them. Wow, really? So I don't know how it happened to me. But it's I a know, miracle. Uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> but I know how tough my sister is. <laughs> so, um, you know, and she could talk their language, which is a great thing to have in yeah. the back pocket. Yes. And you need that. So, um, Anyway, day five, I I was down to the first grade of oxygen, the, the little thing in your nose. Yeah. The second one is a big strap across your nose, and the third tier is like the mask mm-hmm. with the airbag on the bottom. And they all go up to like 100 liters. So I was actually on the airbag up to the top, and they yeah. told me I was going to critical care that night yeah. on the 20th. Mm-hmm. And uh, they told it again to me on the next night as well. And I said, I because I couldn't talk I said yeah right you know yeah. so I would write adorable DP my sister's name mm-hmm. you know so they'd say it yeah they knew it but wow. I couldn't even talk and I was just like mm. we're not going on a bat I remember you know? texting you a little bit during that time <clears throat> you know trying to keep in touch with you and let you know yeah. we're praying and I know you had mentioned you couldn't talk a lot and you wanted to just rest and you didn't really text back here and there only but when you did it was getting close to thanksgiving you said our lady's gonna give me a gift for thanksgiving did you end, yeah did you end up coming out right on thanksgiving day was i it? did right on thanksgiving day wow. i got out i was released at uh probably three o'clock but i i wanted to take a shower mercy. but i wanted to take a shower <laughs> okay <laughs> because i wanted to make sure that i could breathe because yeah. i i had never you know, like I, I need to know how bad my pulse ox would drop. So I took the shower there and I was winded. I was afraid again because I was like, I don't know how this is going to happen outside yeah. of here. So they sent me home with oxygen. They told me they were going to do that. And I went, <laughs> Becky picked me up, went to her house. She had Thanksgiving dinner at oh, the table. Nice. And oh, that's nice. it was really, it was the most, even before she came from. From the time that it started, from the time I saw the picture, that's when I became very thankful. And I had to be reminded, when you let go, God really does do what he needs to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm really a big advocate. I say that a lot in the homilies, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, don't ever fear being alone, because yeah. that's when your other senses become heightened, especially your your sense of really what everything's really all about, yeah. which is God. And love, you know, and it's happened to me many times. And when you're going through something, it's hard to get there. That's why you need friends. You need prayers. I I knew everybody here was praying for me, but I asked uh, the staff not to mention that I was in the hospital because it's right up the street. Yeah, right. But at the time, I didn't know it was code. I didn't know it was code red, so mm-hmm. they couldn't come in anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because You'd have all these I, I know I was feeling down the sick. Door. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it's countless people were trying to get information was, too. It was uh, very hard. They I'll were tell you, very good. I have to. I was like, Father just keep praying for him. He's doing okay. <laughs> yeah, and and what may I wrote about this in our uh, in our bulletin on our f- social media? Yeah, on social media, because I realized the people didn't know where I was. The last they heard, I was. Having a hip surgery. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So from I mean, from beginning to end, I mean, it was this was months of. Uh, it was you know, uh, about four yeah. months. Well, okay. I just came back part time in January just to feel it out here and there. Yeah. Now I decided to go full throttle on February first, and I haven't stopped since eight o'clock mass oh, yeah. this morning. So, mm-hmm. so the energy's there, and I'm very, I'm very thankful I'm alive. Yeah. You know, but it really came at a time 
you know, you can be alive all you want to be, but if you're not alive in God's way, mm-hmm. you're not alive. Yeah. You know? Very true. So I don't know how to explain that, but I felt that very clearly in my bed that night. Yeah. And when she showed me that picture, I I was already crying. I was just like, I couldn't talk because I'm like, yeah. I don't, you know, she's like karate chopping harder, <laughs> and she didn't know what was going on. So she found out a couple of days later what yeah. was going on. Now, since so. you've been back and well, and have you seen? I know your sister lives in Texas, but have you seen her in person yet? No. At that moment, no. No, but we've gotten a lot closer. Sure. You yeah. Know? So, Any plans to see her soon in the boys that you can um, have that reuniting thankfulness? Yeah, I would love to, but we don't travel because of COVID. Right, <laughs> that's true. So, uh, I forgot about and, that. Yep. But I'm, um, you know, I'm uh, going to get my antibodies tested tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the doctor sent a blood order in for me for LabCorp because mm-hmm. I want to give plasma back, you know, mm-hmm, for yeah. the antibodies, and even though I couldn't receive that. You know, because they say once you go on oxygen, you couldn't receive it. Mm-hmm. That was three. That was Thanksgiving. Now the opposite's true. Oh, really? So they're going to that as their first course of action, according to somebody in critical care right now, oh. who I'm advocating for. That's another thing. I don't know why they just don't let people who have COVID to go in and help with the elderly to dial phone numbers. I can't tell you how much that broke my heart. Yeah. How many times they tried to get in touch and she's yelling, I can hear you fine. And he's, I can't hear you. you Mm. I wanted to get up and help, but I couldn't. That's, that's the thing with these frustrating, these kinds of illnesses, you know, in Mm. the treatment form that are so widespread. It's like, you know, a lot of times it's okay. Things that made perfect sense six months ago, you suddenly realize you got to do completely different because now all these other people you've, you've sort of learned from it. So, which is the same as every other illness in the world. It's just that it doesn't usually happen as part of a worldwide pandemic. So yeah. this one, I mean, every everything is every nuance is is you know sort of being reevaluated as you move along. But I, I tell you, you know, that's you know we're just about ready to, to close up the podcast. But um, I, I tell you, you know, I, I'm very happy to hear that you you had a successful, if not miserable right. experience <laughs> miserable, with COVID. Miraculous, too. but miraculous, but it ended, yeah, yeah it ended miraculously, and you know, it certainly feels like you know it's kind of like. Not that it, not that you needed to be re-inspired in your connection to Mary, but it certainly sounded like it had so many influences yeah, that 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 Marian connection. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, we sit here, Mary and all. That's right. I mean, all the names of our it's, blessed mother. She's yes. got you. Anyway, she's, she's got me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no what, you're you definitely know. in the right place. You were in the right place because you knew the the nurse. You were in the right place because you were nearby the hospital, and you were yeah. in, in the right place because you're you're here again. So you know, we we talk about Mary a lot on this podcast and and particularly carrie carrie talks about mary all the time and uh and which is good uh, because i i never remember to do it because i'm terrible (laughs) at everything but um no you're not but but you know i I hope people will take away from this not just you know the experiences you had with with covid but also you know you know your connection your how how your spirituality and your connection to to Mary really was able to buoy you through right. this, and I hope people kind of remember that. So, Father Bakey, thank you very much for coming on You're the so podcast, welcome. and Carrie, great. thank you very much for hanging out late here. with us yeah. and making Enjoy making this it. happen. Appreciate and to our to our listeners, thank you all for uh, tuning in, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye, everybody. God bless. God bless.